I've seen different college students that will like use the substance in the daytime, in the nighttime, whether it comes to like alcohol or marijuana or whatever substance they decide to use. And honestly, you're kind of just watching from the outside and you're like, that's really sad. Like, I hope they're okay. Welcome to Be on the Bench. We're your hosts, Kyla, Sam, and Jazra. Join the huddle as we tackle different mental illnesses and athletics each week and discuss how you could possibly grow from these setbacks. Now, warm up, get ready, and let's get our head in the game. Hey guys, what's up? It's Beyond the Bench, and we're here today with Athlete's Perspective, football star, and major producer, Hunter Griffin. Woo! Yo! <laughs> in a way, y'all just clapped like that. Like, <laughs> we had to shout you out. Come yeah, on. You know. Of course. Come on. So thanks, Hunter, for being on our podcast. So this week, we're going to be talking about substance use disorder. This is defined as the excessive use of psychoactive drugs such as alcohol, prescription drugs, marijuana, or other illegal drugs. It can lead to physical, social, or emotional harm. Because of the stigma, many people don't realize that substance use disorder is a real treatable mental disorder and not just poor decision making. It can affect a person's brain and behavior, which leads to their inability to control their use of these substances. In most serious cases, substance use disorder leads to addiction. So that's another thing. Those aren't one and the same. Substance use disorder is caused by multiple factors, including genetic vulnerability, environmental stressors, social pressures, psychiatric problems, and individual personality characteristics. Because of the nature of this week's topic, we felt it was best to interview an outside source who has witnessed substance use disorder in former teammates. So with that being said, Hunter Griffin, from the outside looking in, what does substance use disorder look like to you? Okay, so... In football, there's a lot of abuse with substances and stuff like that. So, like, weed is a really big one because, like, they'll smoke it or they'll eat it or whatever they do to ingest it, you know, and it goes throughout their body and really calms them down and and relieves the pain and everything. So, like, that's a really big thing that you'll see. For me, I've never done it, but I see those people do that, and I see them, like, moving slower or, like, their eyes are, like, they look sleepy or they smell like it real bad. I mean, steroids is obviously it's a huge one, but, like, Especially in college, you have to get tested for it. So, like, not a lot of people can use it. And if they do, like, they have to be, like, super discreet about it. Because, obviously, if you're 200 pounds before you start the steroids and then you start the steroids and you come back and you're, like, 300 and you're just, like, completely swole like the rock, you know, it's obvious. So, like, obviously, you're going to get a drug test. And those people, they're always, like, mad or, like, I mean, there's other side effects that, like, I think it affects their mental. They got to work out so much to get those steroids dispersed through their body. Another one is, like, painkillers. Painkillers is a really big one. Like, I use painkillers for, like, pain, but I don't accessibly use them. Mm -hmm. And I know there's people that get Percocets and, like, Oxys and stuff like that. And that's not what that's meant for. Like, it's not meant for, like, everyday people. In football, there's a lot of injuries. So, obviously, there's going to be pain pills and, like, treatment and stuff like that. But, like, addiction to those heavy painkillers is is really bad. Um, And you see that a lot in football, which causes a lot of deaths and stuff like that, Um, especially, like, in the NFL. I think it's apparent as athletes we know that sometimes you're different person, quote unquote, on the field, off the field, you know, how do you see that when it comes to athletes that you've been around and you know that they use them, but it's not in the same way? Like whenever they use it off the field, 
it really like I feel like it really affects them like you know from the outside looking in and like a lot of those guys that do use it like their grades are really bad they don't really care about that stuff they're they're more worried about trying to figure out when they're going to be able to do it and it really like affects their lifestyle because like they have bad grades and they just don't care about anything else because they're like oh I gotta go I gotta go to this session real quick to do this thing and they're like they they blow off like other stuff that's important like team meetings or or like class like class is a big thing like there's a lot of people that I've been former teammates with like they go out at night they'll go out and drink and like get hammered and then they have 6 a.m practice the next day and they just they either don't show up or they show up and they're just like dragging like so tired like it affects their life like real bad outside of their sports when it comes to substance use most of the time it is stemmed from a reason there's a reason why they're doing it and for this case we're talking about mental health so especially like college kids in general, even high school kids, which is really sad Mm -hmm. and unfortunate. But why do you feel like that's what they decide to do? Like what causes them to go with that route? I think it's really influence, like who they look up to and what they read. Because there's a lot of people that, that read it and say, you know, smoking weed isn't really that bad for you, like your performance on the field. And there's a lot of people, especially in college, that are athletes that don't care about school at all. And all they care about is like their sport and playing it and doing well and getting to the next level. And so whatever they can, whatever they have to do to be able to get to that next level, that's like, they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. So they read about all this stuff and they're like, they see all these, you know, ex NFL players or NBA players or whatever. They're like, Oh, well I used to take this, this and this while I was in the league and it helped me. And you see these young kids listen to that podcast or watch that video or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, maybe I should try it now. Mm-hmm. You know, it could help me. Yeah. Um, I do think it's kind of influenced by teammates a lot definitely. of times. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, because like I've known people that ha- like have had nothing to do with it and whatnot. And then they start hanging out with with certain people and then they just like they're all about it and they start doing mm-hmm. it and start mm-hmm. like doing drugs and drinking and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I solely believe it was because of the people that they were around. Yeah. yeah. So a common theme throughout this podcast is talking about how mental health and sports coincide. And I think that it's really important to talk about sometimes the sport that someone is playing causes their mental issues to become worse to the point where they feel like. That's the only thing they can do to like keep going like mm-hmm. throughout their days and all that stuff. So, yeah, no, like I know people that without the sport that they're playing, they don't know who they are. Um, like their identity, their whole identity is literally their sport. And that's that's an awful thing to say. I know people that get down and they're like, oh, well, I'll just go to practice and, and get all my anger out or go to practice and hit somebody and not talk about my feelings mm-hmm. or, or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So like, like they don't have to talk about their feelings because they got, cause they got it all out physically. Yeah. And you know, like that does help because like, f- like physical, like, like exercise, yeah, exercise, kind of yeah. exercise helps the body release all that stuff and calm yeah. you down and whatever else. But that's not the only way you should be able to like cope with things. Mm -hmm. And you should be able to like, you should be able to talk to someone. And like, I know here at Sagu, like we just got done. um, They made us have a mental health screening. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they did it with y'all sports. Shout Shout out Stu. Shout out Stu. I completed it Stu, I swear. He has my family held captive because I won't do it. (laughs) But I feel like it needs to be more talked about. 
like people need to take more time, ask athletes like what's actually wrong. And athletes need to be able to have that backbone and just like actually talk about it instead mm-hmm. of just hiding mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of athletes, they use their sport for their escape for mental issues. Mm-hmm. But then after practice is over, it's like then they turn to the substances to that now escape whatever yeah. they can't. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. practice is only so long. I agree with that. Like, I kind of feel like, and there could be different scenarios to why you're using it. The people you're around, mm-hmm. like uh, someone said it earlier, like performance anxiety, that could help yeah. with it. The way I see it, it's just like another way to cope, but it's just like something that they rely on because it takes away reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like they just fall into this like fantasy world and everything's okay. I think people in general use substance to like self-medicate and whatnot. College students, there's obviously a stigma around like party and drugs and alcohol and you know all this stuff but I think that a lot of people forget that yeah there's the stigma but like what are they doing it for Mm -hmm. some of these college kids are really like not okay like check on your kids please and then those college kids are also athletes so like I think all of that just ties into each other like it's not just like oh they're a delinquent they have the perfect they have the perfect physique they have all their friends and teammates they have all this like clout for the games and stuff when really there's stuff behind it beyond the bench everybody (laughs) was involved in Red Ribbon Week when they were little they all know the dangers they know it's not good for you yes yeah they know that it's one there's a stigma against it and two that it's bad for you but they're so past that point that they don't care like they need something yeah anything mm-hmm. and a lot of these athletes we've mentioned multiple times throughout the podcast don't have enough courage to go and talk to somebody or they don't believe in therapy or they don't think that it would help or they would be seen as weak or they think the substances are enough yeah yeah like they think the substances are their therapy yeah. their yeah their their self medication mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say like especially like after games it, obviously whenever you're in the games there's anxiety because like if you lose if you mess up the crowd will know teammates will know your coach will know if you mess up like everybody puts the blame on you you know mm-hmm. oh yeah and like like people think that the only way to escape that is to like because they don't want to go talk to anybody because they think everybody's mad at them so like the only way the only thing they can do is go and and take these drugs not have to deal with it you know what i'm saying because yeah. like, there's nobody yeah. to talk to but like in reality like you can you should always be able to go talk to your to- coach yeah or it, a coach like or that. just somebody somebody that you can confide in yeah mm-hmm. that's unbiased and just like okay well that it was okay like you know like you're not the only reason that we lost like mm-hmm. like stuff like that i think it's easier for people and athletes especially to because they don't have time to go talk to someone, mm-hmm. which is how I, which is how I feel. Because it took me forever to do that, like to fill out that mental health screening thing. And I just, I, I feel like I don't have enough time to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. just, I'm just like, I'm just like, man, like, what am I gonna do? So I just, like, I deal with my own emotions. You know, the the other athletes that, that do abuse those drugs, like, that's their way of dealing with their own emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not mentally strong enough or yeah. they don't think they're capable to be able to talk about their feelings that they mm-hmm. just they're just like oh well then i just i don't want to face those right now let me take this shot or you know whatever the situation is mm-hmm. yeah and we're talking about like athletes in general but i think for hunter it's really significant to mention that again that he plays football and i feel like there is a little bit of like stereotyping with football players, but like it's true. Football in general is a very aggressive sport. Mm-hmm. You get paid like NFL or the next level, it's like scholarship wise. You are told to go hit somebody play after play after play after play. And that's what you're supposed to do in basketball. Like you can be rough and you can be aggressive, 
volleyball, you're going to like slide on the floor. It's going to hurt a little bit. Like yeah. there's not that much physical contact, but literally football is you banging heads and imagine Choke practice. Slamming, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> banging heads together for at least three hours a day. Yeah. And then having to go back and like do homework. Or watch, what? Or watch film. Yes. Or lift How? weights, take a run, eat right. No facts. You know, keep your mental health correct. Like, you know, like yes. keep up with your, like with your social life. Like it's just a lot. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it's over and over there repeatedly. And I just, the whole concept of football is like a crazy thing to me. Like, yeah, it's entertaining, but like these guys are just hitting each other for fun. So football is not, a sport that is meant to be played by humans. It's not It's not meant to be played by humans. So like, <laughs> It's too mean. Like, so, like, I don't know if you ever watched the movie Concussion with Will Smith. It, it's, an, it's like 2015. Anyway, uh, he was doing a study about CTE. So he found out CTE was a thing, the guy he's playing in the movie. Mm-hmm. What's CTE? And it's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Okay. So, like, it's a thing where it's this brain disease where y- your your brain just, it gets hit so many times that it just starts eating at itself. Mm-hmm. And your brain gets smaller and smaller and and there's nothing you can do about it. Like there's no cure, there's no nothing. And they don't know that you have it until you're dead. Yeah. Until they open up your brain and look. So like I've been playing football since I was five years old. And and I, I don't know like I don't know if I have it. I could have it, I could not. Yeah. There's like signs and symptoms, but they can't know for sure, like diagnose. Yeah. yeah. So like like it's rough, you know, and like I have headaches a lot. Like there there was you know, I'm gonna out myself right here. There was one time uh last year. I I got a concussion in a game last year and I threw up on the way back three times on the bus and I took my concussion test that next day and I failed the memory part, which I have bad memory anyway, but I failed the memory part and I I took the test. Stu was like, no, you, you failed. Like, you know, come back in like two days. I came back in two days, told him I didn't have any symptoms, which I kind of did. I told him I didn't have any symptoms. Took the test. I cheated on it. So I'm going to out myself here. I took pictures of the che- of the test and wow. like, just cheated on it. How? And so I, I I took it and I passed. Yeah. And like I was flying colors. And so I did the workout. She's so like, you're way smarter than before. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and you know, whatever. And so I, I did that and I went to that next week and it was a big game. We were playing a ranked opponent and we ended up winning. But like I, I took three Tylenol, three ibuprofen before the game. Mm-hmm. And and I went out there and played, but my head was hurting the whole time. Yeah. But uh, like, that's a big thing too. Take this pill or take this cortisone shot, and especially in football. There's a lot of injuries. Yeah, no, let's, let's stop right there because I just learned that like that was a thing. What is it? It's like a shot where you get and it just like, it takes away the pain for a certain amount of time. And so like, there's like pregnant ladies can get it. Like they'll get a steroid shot, which is, I mean, I guess it's like a cortisone shot. Yeah, they'll yeah. get it. They'll get a shot to like, like they stop feeling the pain as bad. Mm-hmm. So I guess people that are like tear muscles or like mess up their knee real bad, yeah, they'll yeah. get a cortisone shot and get back out there and play. And it's just like, it's a, I mean, it's pain pills before every game. And, and you know, it's just a constant cycle. Mm-hmm. And like that could lead to addiction. And I, I don't like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Facts. And when you were saying that it's a constant cycle, like every day, Obviously, athletes know that it's inevitable their sport's going to end. Like, this is a rhetorical question. How does that affect them after their sport is done? Like, think about the four years or, like, and all these athletes, like, when their sport finally comes to a stop, that however long, like, the average is four years, but people that have had COVID years, like, five years, six years, even sometimes seven years, like, their brains have to function normally after, like, they're not necessarily in pain anymore, which they could be, but like they're not 
banging heads against each other every day. Like they're not playing their sport anymore. So they have to go be an adult and like function normally. So then that's where the addiction comes in. Like they feel like they need it, but they don't like they're not playing anymore. There's no reason for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't like that's a thing. Like I I don't know how I'm gonna I don't know how I'm gonna feel after I quit. Like I have a chance to go play like across like overseas football or mm-hmm. like in Mexico or Canada or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know all these like other leagues and yeah, NFL, yeah like you know what I'm saying? yeah like stuff yeah, like that. So stuff. like I have those opportunities, but like the thing is like especially with my body and how much like pain pills I've taken and, and like stuff like that. Like I like how messed up is my body right now? Mm-hmm. Because like normal people don't take pain pills as much as as I would. Yeah, or as even athletes football. would. I yeah, think. like especially uh, like football, wrestling, lacrosse, hockey, stuff like that. Like super yeah. contact sports. Like like how messed up is our like liver and like our brain Facts. and like stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just remembered something that I don't know if this is like for real or not. I read an article about it though. And apparently, if you take too much ibuprofen, you can become lactose um, sensitive. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I was going to say, like, especially with, like, you were just talking about the, like, buildup of ibuprofen. Your body gets accustomed to a certain amount of mm-hmm. anything at some point. Yeah. So whenever you take two pain pills here and you've taken them for so long, you have to start taking more because your body has mm-hmm. adapted to it. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes more and more and more and more yeah. often. And, and like, that's how addic- like that's how the addiction starts really yeah, is because like sure. your body just like it, it processes it quicker. And so you have to take more because like it goes away and like, like your body relies. Yeah. It relies on it. And there's, there's people that have like withdrawals and stuff like that because they don't take it. And like, I know people that take like, like Adderall before games and stuff like that. And to help them focus. And I don't really know if there's like any downside to that, but like, I don't know if that's a bad thing or not because it helps you focus. But I think it's just different for everyone because for like some people, Adderall could probably really help. And then for others, it can do the complete opposite. It can do the opposite. Yeah. Like you or can you hear dependent on it. And yeah. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like if you hear like it worked on somebody and then you try it, it can have like a completely different effect. This and that. Do you think your teammates realized that there's they were a abusing the substances or were they oblivious um i feel like teammates like they didn't they didn't think they were abusing it they just thought it was like a normal thing what to me looks like abuse to them it looks normal because they've done it and they've seen other people do it like that so they don't really see it as abuse because it's just a normal thing to them so no i don't i don't think they really thought it was abuse because like in their head, they're just like, "Oh, this is this is normal." Other people do it. Yeah, because yeah. like able to in their head, abuse is like ODing or yeah. something like that. Yeah, something crazy. Like they're still able to function. Yeah, but day to day. from a normal person, you know, whatever. From a normal person looking at them, going, "Okay, you're abusing this." Yeah, you're dependent. just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you're not abusing it. They're also doing it. So, like the other people that you see doing these things are also abusing it. Y'all aren't y'all are all, all normal. Yeah, y'all are y'all all, are all, y'all are all abusing okay. it together. Yeah. Y'all are yeah. all doing the same thing. It's yeah. all bad. Did you ever try and reason with them or were you just kind of like let them do what they're doing and they'll figure it out eventually? So like for me, this is with anybody, not just people that I know that are abusing drugs. It's like people are going to do what they're going to do either way. So like people are, the, people. I mean, obviously your own person. So like you're going to do what you want to do and what you think is best for you. And you're not going to listen to somebody that is like most likely you're not going to listen to someone that's your age. Yeah. Um, but especially if you're if you think 
this is what's best for you, mm-hmm. then you're not you're not going to listen to what I have to say about how bad it is. Yeah. Like I've had coaches tell players like, you know, like smoking weed is bad for you. Like it, it dehydrates your joints. It's easier to have, uh, it's easier to have like injuries, like stuff like that. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the symptoms or whatever. And, and kids just completely ignore it because they're just like, oh, well, I mean, it's been working so far. So like until something bad happens, I'm not going to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Yeah. I definitely could see that. Did you ever want to help? But you kind of felt like you couldn't. Like, how do you go about that? Like, that feeling of, like, that's sad. Like, it's really mm-hmm. unfortunate. But, like, I don't know what to do for you. Like, you you were saying, Hunter, like, you can only say so much until they they just, like, don't listen. And especially it's such a sensitive topic. You can't really go to the coaches and be like, hey, I'm worried about so-and-so. Because yeah. you don't want to betray them. So, obviously, they're your, like your, they're your friends or your teammates, whatever. You don't want to go and snitch them out and get them drug tested and have them not playing, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, my thing is if it's affecting their performance, then like they need to get help in the first place. But yeah. if it's real, like if I can physically see that it's affecting your performance or your mental or anything like that, then I'm going to have to say something. But like, you know, there's that pressure of like, they're your friends. So just last question. How do you think substance abuse and drug dependency, how do you think that's affecting athlete culture just moving forward and especially like the mental side of athletics? To be honest with you, I know that back in the day, those people, whenever they didn't have drug tests, they took drugs all the time. Like they, they drank, they, they took drugs, they did whatever they needed to do. They did it all the time. So now moving forward, now that we have all the, like more tests, and people are starting to realize that those stuff really take a toll on your body and your brain and your mental health and everything like that. People are really starting to crack down on it more, I feel like. But it's also becoming more common for people to use them. Like like more drugs are being made, like different drugs are being made. Yeah. Mm, like legal drugs now, like THC, CBD. Stuff like that. So like it, there's more drugs being made. Some of it's being made more legal. But I feel like People are starting to realize that mental health is is a really big deal with athletes. So they're starting to ask them more and make sure they're okay and make sure they're not trying, like not taking drugs and stuff like that. So like, I don't know. It's it's kind of a hard question because like you see both sides where like it could get worse, but it could get better. So I don't I don't really know. It just depends. It's it's easier. It's more accessible, but it's also being like looked at more, and the stigma is kind of yeah being yeah. ended. Yeah. Well, thanks, Hunter, for telling us about all your former old teammates and about your experience witnessing their substance use disorder. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So for the female's perspective, we talked to saggy softball athlete Miranda Lewis. She has witnessed a lot of substance abuse before she came to SAGU at her previous school, which was JUCO. Um, many of the athletes around her had been suffering from substance use disorder as a way to release or as a way out or an escape from their sport or even to play their sport. She had said that many times it had gotten so bad to the point that they needed whichever substance they chose to perform in their sport, whether it was in practices, games, or any other participation of the sport. It also got to the point where it was in the locker room before participation within the sport and right after. They felt like that's what they needed to keep going and honestly just function. Miranda expressed that she even tried to support and reason with the athletes that were around her to stop or even seek help. But 
many times it was turned into an aggression or an anger towards her, even though she was trying to help. So it put her in a position where she didn't necessarily know what to do or how to help them, but she had to witness them go through it. The biggest issue with substance use disorder in college athletics is because of the influence and how easily accessible it is. Many of these athletes didn't have any other release or escape or way out, so they felt that substance use was the easiest thing for them to do. Throughout the week, it would be a constant battle to go to class and even lacking motivation, whatever it may be, struggling with throughout the week. And then when it came to the weekend, it was like, okay, it's the weekend no school, like time to take Drown that out time. My problems. Yeah. For Miranda, it was really hard to be in that situation because all of it was around her and it was so difficult for her to have to witness whether it was friends, athletes that she knew, or people that were on her team. She had stated that many of the younger athletes or even college kids that had came in, they weren't around their parents anymore. So there was no general rules or like restrictions. So they were kind of let loose and had made bad decisions, especially when it came to substance use disorder. A lot of the older athletes had become a little bit more self-aware. She had friends that had moved past it, realized it was a problem, and was able to stop completely using it and are now better off or feel as though that they're better off. This topic is a little bit more difficult to see the firsthand experience. Unfortunately, we're not able to do that. But seeing someone close to them give their viewpoint and their opinion about the topic still gives a little bit of insight in how what kind of feelings are involved and what emotions and how it can negatively affect these athletes on and off of their playing field or court. For the celebrity this week, we wanted to talk about UFC superstar Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was an arguably one of the best female fighters in the UFC history. She actually went 12-0 until the kick happened in 2015 with Holly Holm. That's what they called it after the fight happened because that's how she lost was by a kick to the side. After this fight, she quit the UFC and disappeared for a year and never came back to the UFC. She became severely depressed, questioned her life, and wanted to end it, which unfortunately led her to substance abuse. But like I said, after a year, she came back to the light and found joy again and actually ended up performing for the WWE. Go Ronda. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bench. You don't want to miss out on the next episode, so be sure to join us next week as we talk about eating disorders with Sagu Women's Basketball store, Riley Lavender. Unfortunately, this will be our last episode until the fall, so don't forget to tune in. Bye. Bye. Bye.